Good evening. We welcome you here this Thursday evening as we worship our triune God and praise him for the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ in the work of redemption. We welcome all guests worshiping with us. This evening's worship service will be led by Reverend Richard Aisman, Minister Emeritus of Providence Canadian Reformed Church in Edmonton. Welcome, Reverend. And in preparation for worship, we will sing hymn 38, 1 and 4. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Let us rise and lift up our hearts to the Lord. Let us begin this worship service by confessing together our dependence on the Lord. Our help is the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. Amen. Let's sing together Psalm 67, stanzas 1 and 3.
brothers and sisters, together with the church of all ages and places, let us profess our Catholic undoubted faith by singing the Apostles' Creed as we find it in hymn one. Father in heaven, we come before you this evening to praise you, to adore you, and to thank you that you are the one true God who is also our Father in Jesus Christ. We know that you are both able and willing to run this world through Jesus Christ and to preserve our lives and keep us in our faith no matter what the trials and tribulations of life may be, so that you bring us to yourself in glory one day in a new heaven and a new earth. Father, we thank you for the beautiful weather. We're seeing things get greener. And we thank, Father, also of the forest fires and all the destruction and havoc that has wreaked. We pray, Father, that the fires may end, that the rain may also fall, we pray for protection of people and their homes, of animals and livestock, of forests and of plants. This is your world, Father, and we pray that you would give us all that we need to be able to live here in this land. Father, it's a special evening, a Thursday evening that we gather together as we commemorate the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for his work of redemption accomplished on the cross, that you raised him in glory and in victory, and also took him up into heaven 
where he is seated at your right hand, and he gathers, defends, and preserves his church so that one day we may be all together before your throne and sing a new song. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would bless us as we open your word this evening. Help us to understand the significance of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, who blessed us as he went up into heaven and continues to bless us every day. We ask, Father, that you will graciously forgive all our sins and hear our prayer in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Our scripture reading this evening is Acts 1, 1 through 11. And you probably noticed on the screen before the service um, the last few verses of Luke 24. Luke was written by Luke and so was Acts. So this picks up from what we read at the end of Luke, Jesus blessing his people as he ascended to heaven. We read here God's Word, beginning at Acts 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight." And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So far the reading of God's word. Let's sing together Psalm 121 which is um, very closely related to our text this evening.
Brothers and sisters, our text is from Numbers 6. Numbers 6, the verses 22 through 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, our text takes place at Mount Sinai where Israel has spent about a year ever since they left Egypt. And during this time, Israel was was organized as the people of God. They received the law. They got insight into the sacrifices and the entire ceremonial system. And the tabernacle was being built. In fact, Moses was just putting the finishing touches to the tabernacle. In a few weeks, they would be off. They would cross the wilderness, going over Jordan into the promised land. What a journey that would be. Hot days, cold nights, mountains, deserts, lack of water, lack of food. And everyone was carrying their household goods. There were teenagers and kids and toddlers. And women were having babies in the wilderness. Imagine doing a trip like that without a a moving van, without motels and restaurants. And on top of that, everyone they they met was out to kill them, or at least push them back to Egypt. And so it's so beautiful that that at the beginning of every day, Aaron the high priest would do the sacrifices, and then he would turn to the people with uplifted hands, pronouncing the blessing in our text, that the Lord would bless them and keep them, turn his face toward them, and lift his face upon them and give them peace. And God symbolized that by leading them in the cloud. God himself was in the cloud every step of the way. He was with them. We still have that same blessing today. Every Sunday we hear the blessing here in number six in the morning or the afternoon service. And indeed, we even have it fulfilled and made richer in our Lord Jesus Christ. He was not a high priest in the order of Aaron, but a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is the high priest who died for our sins, rose in glory, and when he ascended into heaven and raised his hands, you could still see the marks of his wounds as he went into heaven. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the close of the age. Now, we might not be literally going through a wilderness like Israel did, but we all recognize that that culture, the world in which we live, is a spiritual, emotional, and, and physical wilderness. How many people don't get drawn away into the things of this world and turn their backs on Jesus Christ? We see that with our friends. We see that with our families. How could we ever go on one step 
except for the fact that we know that God is with us. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, is the good shepherd who leads us on the way through the wilderness, over Jordan, into the promised land, a new heaven and a new earth. That's what we're going to look at this evening. Under this theme, the Lord graciously smiles upon his children. And we will see who gives this blessing, what is this blessing, and how to receive this blessing. As we already mentioned, the blessing was given every morning right after the sacrifices. And we, knew, we know who gave that blessing. It would be Aaron the high priest. All his life and after he died, the, his son, the next high priest, would continue. We even know how he did it. In Exodus 9, verse 22, we read, Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Now, we know the altar of burnt offering is about a meter and a half tall. And Aaron was standing on it, or at least he was standing on a platform right beside it. And after he had done the sacrifices, the blood was on his hands, he would turn around to the entire congregation and he would pronounce this blessing. Now we know that Aaron only speaks the blessing. It is God and God alone who gives the blessing or gives the contents of the blessing. And God is very specific in our text. He instructs Moses to say to Aaron, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. It's clear that God wants to make crystal clear that it is he and he alone who gives the blessing. Each line starts with the Lord. It's capital letters, so you know in Hebrew it's Yahweh. And that's God's personal covenant name. I'm the God who is there for you. I am Emmanuel. I'm coming to you with all these blessings. And just in case you, you missed it, at the very end of our text, God repeats it, and I translate literally from Hebrew, and behold, I, or so I myself will bless them. I myself do the blessing. So it's the Lord who blesses his people. And what's marvelous is, is to, to get the flavor here that God wants to do this. Israel doesn't even expect it. It doesn't deserve it. It doesn't ask for it. But God one-sidedly comes in his grace, in love, and says, this is what I do for you. This is what I want to do. And of course, that, that, that grows and develops with the revelation that from grace alone, he would give his own son to come in this world, to die for us, to be raised in victory, and to ascend into heaven, to be the high priest who doesn't just speak the blessing, but gives the blessing. He is the high priest who is always with us, who knows our needs, who sympathizes and will guide us through the trials and tribulations, the wilderness of life. The other thing that really stands out in, in this text is that every time God says you, he uses the singular pronoun. So when he says, 
the Lord bless you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you. It's always singular. So, of course, the blessings for the whole congregation, but God's speaking individually to every person, every man and woman, every teenager, every boy and girl. Imagine every Sunday when we hear this blessing, it should resonate, God is speaking to me. As, as a, a young boy, a young girl, you know that God is saying to you personally, I am your God, I am with you, and that column of smoke, that column of cloud that walks with you through your life, and nothing will separate you from my love in Christ Jesus the Lord. But before we see now exactly what the blessing is, we're probably wondering why is there so much emphasis here on it's the Lord who gives the blessing? I mean, don't we get that? Isn't that the first thing that we would think and, and understand? The problem is God's people so often look for blessing in all the wrong places. God has just delivered his people out of Egypt. Moses is on the mountain with God getting this wonderful information that's going to bless them as God's people. But while Moses and God are up there doing this, Israel goes to Aaron and says, look, let's take all that gold we got out of Egypt and turn it into a calf to be our, our God, to be our, to be our idol. We read in Exodus 32 that Aaron made the golden calf. And the people said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So there you got God looking in love to his people. He loves them. He's come to them. And they turn away. And they seek their delight and their, and their hope and the, and the idols of other nations or material possessions or in the political powers of Egypt and Assyria. And that's a problem that's been experienced by God's people throughout the ages. Brothers and sisters, what is the thing that makes us really happy? What's the one thing that gives us the ultimate security in our lives. Sadly, for many, it is money, or it is the pride of their accomplishments. Our Lord Jesus Christ spoke about this in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, warning, saying, even if you, if you love money that much, you, you have to realize you can't serve both God and money. You will love the one and you will hate the other. Sadly, for, for many, security rests in what you have in the bank, your house, kind of phone you have, exotic vacation. But just think of it in the, in the light of our, our text here. Look at it in the balance. On the one hand, you've got God who took his people out of Egypt and said, you are my people and I'm your God. And they start making other idols like how dumb can you get? You know, this is the, the living God, the God who says, I'm bringing you not just to the promised land, but to a new heaven and a new earth. I like my money. I like my stuff. Even though moth will eat it, rust will destroy it, someone will steal it, and in the last day of your life, what are you going to measure your success by when you stand before God? 
your material things or a deep living relationship with the one true God who loves us and cares for us and promises to provide us for all our needs. It's so important that we think about what are the idols in our lives and to get rid of them, put it in perspective and know where our true blessing is from, what the only blessing that's important can really be, and that's our God and our relationship with Him. And we're going to look at that now more deeply in our second point, what, the, what is the blessing. To understand our, our text, it's, it's important to, to note that this is a piece of poetry. I don't know if you notice that in the text, the way it's indented, you know right away it's poetry. And for the Hebrew, poetry wasn't just something neat. You weren't just reading a, a sonnet or a poem from T.S. Eliot or whatever. No, this, you felt it. You actually physically experience the psalm, the poem. In our, in our text, the, the, the words of our text are like a, a waterfall. You know, the water first gently comes over the top. If you've ever seen Niagara Falls, it just seems to come so slowly over the top, picks up speed, and at the bottom it's a crescendo, and it's a crash, and it's a big splash. And that's how, our, that's how our text reads, like a, like a waterfall. We have seen that, that real blessing, brothers and sisters, rests not in money or in accomplishments in our lives, as beautiful as that is, but the real blessing is peace and a relationship with our God. What he is saying here in our text is, look, I, I'm your God. You're not just saying... We're going to try to make this work. I mean, I, I, I wish the very best for you. God doesn't say that. He says, I'm your God. I'm Yahweh. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. No matter what. doesn't matter what you experience in life. The trials, the tribulations, the temptations. You can face, face death itself. I am there. And we're going to get through it together. And nothing. Is going to prevent you from entering into the promised land. Specifically, God starts with the Lord bless you and keep you. To understand this uh, sense of keeping you, we can think of Psalm 121, which we sang together. And we, we sang there, from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the psalm goes on to describe God will not let our foot slip. He will not let us have sunstroke or be struck even by the moon. And it ends with the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That's how the Lord our God blesses us. He guards us and he keeps us. You know, we might be lying in the hospital, very seriously ill. We see it on the nurses' faces, the frown of the doctor. They're, they're deeply concerned. This is not going well. But there's something that you feel that they don't see. And the presence of God who holds your hand and puts his other hand on your forehead or on your shoulder and says, I'm right here. I'm with you. We're going to go through this together. I will take care of you. I'll make sure you get exactly what you need. And we don't always know what that is. Maybe he'll make us better. Maybe we'll forever have certain health issues. 
maybe we'll die. But if we die, it is the Lord who leads us through the door of death to be with him in heaven in full joy to receive ultimately everything we need for body and soul. He guards us and he keeps us all our life long. Now that's just the beginning. The blessing intensifies with the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. In Scripture, when we read about the face of God that always points to intimacy and friendship and caring by God, if God's face is turned towards you, hallelujah! You can't get it better than that. In Psalm 17, when when, um, David is being harassed by, by horrible people, he ends the psalm by saying, as for me... I shall behold your face in righteousness when I awake. I shall be satisfied with your likeness. To see the face of God is to know his love and his grace and his blessing for you in all of our life. And that's what makes the last line of, our, of the blessing so profound and awesome. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. One point of clarification when it says countenance in Hebrew, it's the same word as the previous sentence, face. So it's the same thing as saying the Lord lift up his face or the Lord turn his face towards you. How's that different from the previous sentence? Perhaps we could use an example. If you're a child and you're sitting in the kitchen or the family room, wherever, and dad comes walking into the room and he, he notices you there. Nothing is so beautiful for a child than to see dad's face suddenly swing over to them and smile. That, that's what children love. To see their dad or their mom when they spot them, there is love on their face. They are loved. A child that doesn't have that is absolutely devastating. But our God, if he walks in the room in a manner of speaking, his face turns toward us. Or when we, when we pray, our Father in heaven, immediately, there, there can be a, a billion other people praying, but God's listening to us, and his face is turned toward us and says, talk to me. I like it that, you, that you're here. I love you. I'm all ears. I want to hear what you have to say. I want to know that you love me, and I'm going to show you how much I love you. And peace flows down like a river. In Hebrew, we have the word shalom. That's not just peace from from danger and and physical ailments, although it certainly includes that. Shalom is, we use the word holistic. It, It applies to all of life, body and soul, and life and death. Shalom means that our life is in the hands of God. That he says, you belong to me and I belong to you. Nothing is going to separate you from my love in Christ Jesus the Lord. And have we not seen that and experienced that in our lives, brothers and sisters? In a terrible accident lying in the hospital, a loved one dies, one of our children wanders away from the Lord. How do you get through that? Except 
you know that God loves you and he's present. You don't just feel that he's somewhere close. You feel that he's right up tight with you. It's like he puts his hand on your shoulder and he says, we're going through this together. I will take care of you. If you stumble, I'll, I'll catch you. If you can't walk, I'll carry you. But I'll make sure that what you're going through doesn't break your faith, doesn't break the fact that you're going to go through that wilderness and cross over Jordan into the promised land. And it's knowing that that allows us to live our lives every day in joy and comfort and assurance. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. We don't take one step forward except for the knowledge that God is the good shepherd, our heavenly Father who loves us and blesses us and is always with us. Now let's pause there for a moment, brothers and sisters, because, you know, it's Moses who's getting all this information and passing it on to Aaron and the people, and he's talking about God's face, you know, turned towards them. His face is lifted up on them. But it wasn't that long ago that Moses asked to see the face of God. He said in, in Exodus 33, show me something of your glory. And God says, I'll show you something, but you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. You can't see my face because you'll die. How can just a little while later, God say to Moses, you get the high priest to say the face of God is turned towards you. It's lifted on you in love and in, in blessing. I can imagine that Moses might have struggled with a, a little bit with that. Well, the answer to the question is an old story. And it's the oldest ever told. You know that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. In the cool of the garden, in the trees. They walked. They talked. Adam and Eve saw the face of God turn toward them. These were his children. This was his image. This is the one who, with whom he wanted to spend eternity in righteousness and holiness. And Adam and Eve rebelled. And they sinned. And God withdrew his face and said, get out of this garden. They were ushered out, and the face of God was turned against them. But here, brothers and sisters, is where we hear the gospel. The gospel of our God, who is repulsed by sin, who cannot stand sin, who can't stand a, a fellowship with someone living in sin, but he graciously comes and says, my face will turn towards you. And he fulfilled that in the gift of his own son, Jesus Christ. Everything we know about Jesus Christ convinces us he was not a sinner. He was righteous and holy. On two occasions, both at his baptism and at the Mount of Transfiguration, God said of Jesus, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. The face of God was turned to this righteous man. And then the righteous man took our sins on himself with the full knowledge and approval of the Father, of course. But when Jesus Christ did that, the face of God was turned away. He poured his wrath and his justice on Jesus Christ 
on the righteous man who bore our sins. There's a reason that he screamed out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face away from me? Why don't I feel the comfort and the joy of your presence? It's because you're damned. It's because you're brought to the open doors of hell. It's because you die for the sins that you bear. But thankfully, because Jesus Christ did this perfectly and obediently, he was raised from the dead in glory and justification, and he ascended into heaven in all glory, where he now is gathering and defending and preserving his church. He's that great king and that merciful high priest whose face is turned toward us in love and in grace. So we see that in, in Jesus Christ, that the face of God is turned to his people already in the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ made that so clear at his ascension in Luke 24. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. He lifted up his hands. What do you see? You see the marks of the crucifixion. You see the evidence of blood and of death. And Jesus Christ kept holding his hands as he ascended and disappeared from view. He made clear, it is my blood that has reconciled you to God. It is my blood that has turned the face of God back to you and gives you all this blessing. Brothers and sisters, do you think our, our, uh, the Israelites understood all this back in the day? They must have at least to a, a large extent. Remember, the blessing took place after the sacrifice. So at first, Aaron does the, the sacrifice on the altar burnt offering. He turns around to the people, and what's he got on his hands? Blood. And everyone understands the significance of blood. It's through blood that we are reconciled with God. It's through blood that our sins are washed away. But the blood of bulls and goats don't wash away sin. Brother, our brothers and sisters in the Old Testament saw in the blood of Aaron's hands the promise that one day the Christ would come. Emmanuel would come and he would shed his precious blood as the perfect payment for all our sins so that he can care for us. And he can be that high priest that gathers, defends, and preserves his church. It is in the face of Jesus Christ that we see our heavenly Father. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I can imagine a little bit confusing because you say, I've never seen Jesus not visibly and physically, and I've never seen the Father either. Brothers and sisters, seeing is more than, than just visibly and, and physically seeing. If you live with the Scriptures and it resonates in your heart, you'll see Jesus. He's your brother. He's your Savior. You hear His voice in the Scriptures. You see Him and you know Him. Every day of our lives, He walks with us, and in Him, we see the Father, the one who loved us so much. He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have life everlasting. 
That brings us to our final point, and it's a question that we have for each one of us personally, and that is, are you enjoying this blessing, not just uttered by Aaron, but fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ, our ascended high priest? Lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. Do you experience that? Be careful. We answer pretty easily, sure, sure, I got that blessing. I mean, it's right there in our text, right? The text says that the Lord blesses you. The Lord makes His face shine upon you. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say the Lord blesses you. The Lord makes His face. It's not a, an indicative. It's not a statement of fact that that's automatically the way it is. It's a promise. It's a prayer. Commentators are agreed that you could easily translate the text by, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Our God is a covenant God. He comes to us in grace. He comes to us with promises. But those promises require acceptance. They require faith. The blessing is an invitation to come and know God. For us today, it's an invitation to know Jesus Christ, to know Him and to experience Him as Lord and Savior, to know that His blood is the only thing thing that, that stands between us and everlasting darkness. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus is my Lord. To those who believe that and and hold on to that, the blessings of God are certainly there and certainly experienced. Maybe that there are times that we don't really feel that. We've become a, a little bit accustomed to the preaching and to the Word of God. And that may also explain why in our lives we live with fear. Fear about the economy, fear about the upcoming political election, fear about finances. We're dealing with illnesses. We're alone, a widow, widower, single person, and we can't sleep at night because we are worried about these things. You know what? We've forgotten the gospel. We're not experiencing it. We're not living in that close, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ, our ascended Lord. We've got to get back to the gospel. When we listen to the gospel and, 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 and we read it and meditate on it and pray to God about His blessings, it becomes real. And that, that doesn't mean that, that life doesn't have trials and tribulations or that times we have anxiety and uncertainty, but we always get through it. Does the one I love die I'll, I'll cry a bucket of tears. But at the same time, I know my loved one has been taken by the Lord himself to heaven. And he is with me. He is a husband to the widow and a father to the orphans. We receive strength when we hold on to the blessing of the Lord our God. You know, every Sunday at the end of the worship service, when the, the minister raises his hand, you know, he's... He's just a spokesman, right? But see in the hands of the minister. See there the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ nailed to the cross, paying for our sins. 
See the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ held over us as he ascended to heaven and says, I'm with you always. I'll never let anything separate you from my love so that every week, at the beginning of every week, with the word of God and the prayers and the closing blessing, we know God loves us. God cares for us. He says to us, you belong to me. I put my name on you. I claim you for my own. You belong to me, and I belong to you, and I'll bring you over Jordan to the promised land. Amen. Let's sing together hymn 80.
us give thanks to the Lord. Father in heaven, God of grace, God of overwhelming blessings, we stand in awe, Heavenly Father, because you created us in your image. Your face was turned toward us, and we rebelled, and we sinned, and your face withdrew. But your grace is so overwhelming, so amazing, that you sent your own Son to take our sins and to die for that on the cross of Golgotha, so that in our Lord Jesus Christ, your face is turned toward us again. Uh, blessings pour forth, you smile upon us, and you give us peace for body and soul in life and in death. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us a Savior in Jesus Christ who not only was raised from the dead but ascended into heaven and sat down at your right hand. He's now King of kings and Lord of lords. He's ruling this world. Nothing happens apart from his will and his plan. And that also gives us the comfort that Jesus is with his church and he's with each and every one of us personally so that when we go through our trials and tribulations or when we are being tempted, he is with us and he holds on to us and brings us through. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we may experience that with joy and thanksgiving in our lives. We think of those who are lonely, like the widow and the widower and the single person. We think of those who are struggling in their marriage or their family life. We think of those who are struggling financially. We pray that we may find our comfort and our strength in you, knowing that you are with us. Father, we, we also pray that we may know your love and care at times when we are in the hospital. And we think of Reverend Slump, who has been there for two weeks. He had a, a good surgery, but then a lot of trouble after that. But now we hear he's scheduled to go home tomorrow. What a, what a blessing that is. And and we know that that's a gift from you. We thank you for it. Please be with our Brother Bill and Barb. Uh, grant them all that they need, recovery and joy. And we, we pray that our, our brother, Reverend Bill Slump, may also begin to preach again to serve the churches in the way that he loves to do. Father, we also pray that you would be with us as we make our pilgrimage through this world those of us who are a little bit older have seen tremendous changes over the last half a century. We have seen governments introduce godless legislation. We are in a, a battle right now in Alberta with uh, promises and some threats that could be harmful for us as Christians regarding our, our school. Father, we don't live in fear. We're concerned. We remain active, but we know that Jesus Christ is in control and that he will care for us. We pray that we may trust in him, that we may have courage, live our life joyfully, and in this way also be a, a light to the world around us. 
Father, we, we thank you that we have two congregations together this evening. It's wonderful to be together again. We think of our unique experiences. We thank you that Emmanuel has our, our brother, Reverend Julius Van Spronson. We pray that you continue to give him health and strength and joy in his work as pastor and teacher. We also with uh, the other congregation, the Church of Devon, and pray, Father, that in due time, uh, Devon may receive her own pastor and teacher. Father, we thank you for this evening that you have given us together. We come away with a renewed sense of awe for you, that we know when we come to you, your face turns toward us with a smile, with love, giving us the full assurance that this is our God and we are His children for eternity. Forgive us our sins and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The collection is for the Ministry of Mercy. After the collection, let's sing hymn 85.
brothers and sisters, receive God's blessing in faith and go in peace. And we'll end with a blessing that God's people have heard for almost three and a half thousand years. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.